Nearly 30 years ago, John Hammond's dream of bringing the prehistoric past back to life became a reality thanks to Engine's dedicated team of scientists. Jurassic Park was originally set to open its doors to visitors back in 1993 on the luxurious island of Isla Nublar. However, due to technical difficulties, its opening was delayed indefinitely. Now, we would like to cordially invite you to a wonderful world of a time long forgotten and revisit the magic and wonder the Jurassic Park franchise, right here on the latest season of Podcasters Assemble. Welcome to Jurassic Podcast. Podcasters Assemble! Hello, I'm Stephen White, co-host of Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo and Horror Ramblings. Yo, this is Corey with The World Is My Burrito. Douglas Gale, co-host Game Game Pass. This is Eric Slater from Epic Fails of History, Too Young for This Trek, and Comic Zombie. Hey, it's Frost from the Super Switch Club. Hey, this is Zach from the Neatcast, Effin' Cultured, and Podcasters Assemble. Hi, I'm Bill. You may know me from such podcasts like Podcasters Assemble, the Super Switch Club, the Coordinate Attack on Titan podcast, Bill's JRPG Adventures and Other Trappings podcast, the Tarviran, a Wheel of Time podcast, the RPG After Years podcast, the RPG Golden Years podcast, Not Another Kingdom Hearts podcast, and the Audio Only Experience podcast. Oh, and let's not forget the Dead Podcast Society. Oh, yes. Talking about Jurassic Park, meh. Jurassic Park 3. That's right. Not one, not two, but twa. That's right. Jurassic Park 3. Jurassic Park 3. Alan! I have a a proposition I'd like to discuss with you. I've chartered an airplane to fly us over Isla Sorna, and we'd like you to be our guide. We'd love to make a contribution to your research here. It could almost be paradise. My God, I'd forgotten. We have a landing strip up here. You cannot land on this island. Oh, my God! forbidden place where man has tampered with nature this is how you make dinosaurs this is how you play god something unexpected has evolved they can talk to each other to a degree we never imagined on july 18th you probably won't get off the side of the line it's not just a walk in the park They just set a trap. They actually set a trap. And we're here to talk about Jurassic Park 3. Here to talk about the third entry in the Parkiverse, Jurassic Park 3. No subtitle. In the first one, there was one T-Rex. In the second one, there was two T-Rexes. So guess what's going to happen in this one? Uh, Yeah, the T-Rex is going to get killed. I'm interested to hear everyone else's opinions about this film because, to me, this film is an oddity in the franchise. So Jurassic Park 3, 2001, is not my favorite. Oh, Jurassic Park 3, I have such fond memories of this. And I I don't leave theaters angry that often watching a movie, but I left the theater angry after watching this movie. In a lot of ways, I feel like Jurassic Park 3 is a better sequel than The Lost World. I do not like this movie. Uh, I may have mentioned it at the end of the last one when we were talking about dinosaurs, (laughs) but I I genuinely love Jurassic Park 3. But unfortunately, it also feels like a bad B-movie. 
I guess it was going to be Jurassic Park 3 Extinction, but Extinction had a little too much finality to it, made it seem like the franchise might be done forever. No one wants to end a franchise too soon. I remember being hype about this in theaters. You know, like, what are they going to do? What more can they do? Let's see, this came out in 2001. So, yeah, I would have seen this... Oh, summer after graduating? I guess this right out of the gate rambling should be a good indication that I don't really know what to say about this movie. I don't know if Universal had some sort of mandate to produce another film, but it feels like it was made as an obligation to a contract. And it is, conceptually, it's pretty cool. Like, it it has a lot of really solid moments, but this is, to me, almost like the Fast and the Furious of the movies, which is also weird because of like how slow I feel that it is. Nothing about this film feels like it moves the needle forward or introduces anything of real substance. But overall, Jurassic Park 3, I feel like so many things happen so quickly in this very like quick cutting manner, and yet like nothing is moving. Yeah, it's literally just like the film version of running in place. At its core, It's truly a pointless sequel made to cash in on the name Jurassic Park. Saying that, I really do find the film to be enjoyable. This, I think, is the worst movie in the entire franchise. I think it's one of the better movies in the franchise. I think it's better than the second one. I know people don't like it as much, maybe, but... I generally think this is a much better movie than the second one. I almost think this is nearly on par with the first one. It's a sleek 90-minute thrill ride that delivers on plenty of dino action. And isn't that what we came to see? Said I have seen. I've only seen five of the six movies, but this, to me, in my opinion, is the worst of them. This kind of movie is difficult to talk about. It's a friend of mine used to refer to something he called delicious mediocrity, like Quiznos was his example of it. Quiznos is not great. It's not terrible. It's mediocre. But you know what you're getting, and it's fine. So to me, that's what Jurassic Park 3 is. It's it's delicious mediocrity. It's fine. <laughs> I don't even remember the first time I saw this film. I might have seen it at the cinema, but I just, I just loved it. I loved the whole idea of just them getting lost on the island and trying to get out of it. I distinctly remember seeing the trailer for this one in theaters. The tagline was something like, this isn't a walk in the park, and hearing an audible groan from the audience. The problem is with the first one is that it was the first one. So it set new grounds. There were sequels and prequels and all that sort of shit. I don't think there's any prequels. Uh, But they're not going to break new ground, are they? Like, let's face it. They're not going to be coming out here and going, hey, look at this brand new thing we're doing. No, it's going to recycle the same shit, maybe try and upgrade some things, maybe even try and do some things on the cheap because, uh, yeah, you want to save a bit of money and, you know, you're going to make a shit ton of money out making a sequels out of Jurassic Park. So, yeah, well done, Spielberg. Well done. Did Spielberg direct number three? Someone tell me he directed number three. He directed Temple of Doom, right? That's great. The film's directorial duties were handled this time by Joe Johnston, a man who feels like he should have more film credits to his name. Even if you don't know him by name, chances are you've seen one of his films. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, Jumanji, The Wolfman, Captain America, The First Avenger, and those are just a few he directed. Johnston was apparently eager to direct a Jurassic Park film and even lobbied to direct The Lost World. Since... Spielberg took that opportunity away from him, he offered him a chance to direct this film instead to make up for it. Spielberg was busy with his next big hit that we all remember, AI, Artificial Intelligence. Remember? Remember that? Remember that movie? 
I sure don't. Two things jump out to me as soon as I loaded up this film. First, it's only an hour and a half long, which is great coming off the two-hour slog that was Jurassic Park 2 that seemed about, I don't know, 30 minutes too long. Uh, And two, in contrast to Jurassic Park 2, where John Williams intentionally uh, avoided using the main theme from Jurassic Park, uh, the score is already present in this one. So they're playing the Jurassic Park music. Hey, we got the full score again. Really leaning back into that Jurassic Park nostalgia for this one. Who who did this? Who did this? This is garbage. This is not good. I do not like this music. What? Who who is responsible for this abomination? With Spielberg directing another film, you know Big John Williams won't be far behind. So the score was handed off to Don Davis, who does an admirable job rehashing Williams' original score. Don Davis? No. Bad Don Davis. Bad. Am I saying he's a hack? Not necessarily, but considering outside of this film, the only other film franchise of note that he has actually scored was the original Matrix trilogy. And even that, what do you remember from that score but the original title sting? Like, wah, wah. Maybe I'm being too harsh on the guy. I mean, he did score Warriors of Virtue. And let that one sit for a moment for all you who remember that movie. It irritates me. It angers me. There's only really a couple things I enjoy about the movie. And it's actually not the movie. It's two of the actors. And that's about it. It's fine. (laughs) It's not terrible. It's not great. Furthermore, the rest of the film feels smaller than the last two outings. The cast of characters is much more streamlined, and even the island feels condensed. And let's talk about that cast, shall we? Speaking of the actors, we have Sam Neill returning and reprising his role as Dr. Alan Grant, paleontologist. We have Alan Grant again. It was great that they brought Sam Neill back as Grant this time. Uh, he's definitely the standout here, which is which is nice. I like to see I like to see the Sam Neill out there playing with Dino Bones again. He doesn't terrify a little child, which is unfortunate because that's. <laughs> When he, when he goes after that one kid with a raptor claw. Here I am just talking about Jurassic Park 1 instead of 3. I think since we had the return of Sam Neill as Alan Grant, it was nice to see Laura Dern return as Ellie Sadler, even if it was more of an extended cameo. It sure was nice seeing Dr. Grant and Ellie in this movie. Laura Dern returns as Ellie. She is a author, a paleobotanist. I mean, even now, that is like one of my favorite parts is seeing those two characters come back. The filmmakers could have easily explained her away, but it was nice seeing that the pair still had a relationship, even if it wasn't a romantic one. And to be honest, they weren't all that affectionate in the first film anyway, so their separation doesn't really come as much of a shock. At least not to me. Point being, Alan Grant doesn't need to be in this movie. Nothing, we don't really get any advancement on his character. We find out that him and Ellie didn't last big surprise but that's about it there's nothing else there's nothing else there for him while i have no proof of this i genuinely believe that the script was written with alan grant as kind of a supplemental character since he's kind of unnecessary when you think about it sure he's the dino expert but does his presence change anything outside of their rescue at the end any of the other characters could have been that person and i'm not saying this is a slight against sam neill He's a welcome treat returning to this franchise, and the movie is better off for it because he's in it. 
It's just a feeling that they weren't 100% sure they could get him back for this film, you know? But again, I have nothing to base this on besides the way things have been presented. We are introduced to uh, Billy Brennan, who works with Dr. Grant, played by Alessandro Nivola. It does come across. Dinosaur Billy, what's his name? Billy Assistant uh, was supposed to be or was potentially the main character for this movie in case they didn't get Sam Neill to be Alan Grant because he actually has a bit of an arc. Not much. There's a little bit. But the rest of the cast is honestly pretty forgettable. Since there are no other returning cast members, let's focus on the Kirbys. William H. Macy plays Paul Kirby and Tay Leone plays Amanda Kirby. Tia Leone is a fine actress and all, but uh, here she plays kind of a typical mom role, you know? You tell her not to shop for her son and she does it anyway. She comes off a bit incompetent, which I understand. She's just a mom now being chased by dinosaurs. Just makes you wonder how she and the rest of them survived. Same goes for William H. Macy, who is a great character actor, by the way. William H. Macy plays Paul Kirby in this one, and he basically plays himself, or at least as I envision himself. He plays such a great slimeball used car salesman. He feels somewhat wasted here, but he was down to do the movie for no other reason than to fight a dinosaur. Guess those opportunities don't really come up very often. Trevor Morgan is Eric Kirby, their son. Trevor Morgan plays Eric, and he's a fine child actor. He has seemingly worked steadily through the years, but I couldn't tell you many films that he's been in besides this one. Furthermore, what is up with kids in all these damn movies? Why must there always be a kid? Here, he's at least a plot device, but was Ian Malcolm's daughter really necessary to the plot of The Lost World? I know I should have brought that up last time, but it just hit me here. I guess kids are a target audience with these movies, and they seem to love big imaginary monsters like dinosaurs. It's true. And since the film needed some form of antagonist for some reason, Alessandro Nivola plays Billy, the assistant looking to make a name for himself. And then we also have some uh, mercenaries that are there for a reason or two. Anyways... The rest of the cast is fine too, but nothing to note since they all become dino fodder pretty quick. Although I will shout out the amazing Michael Jeter, a local Tennessean like myself, who always turned in a great performance in whatever he did. He left us way too soon. This is my impression of me watching Jurassic Park 3. Oh, hey, this isn't that bad. Holy shit, William H. Macy? Wow, Taylor And then I just sit there and, uh... <laughs> Enjoy the movie until it ends. So this whole movie takes place on Isla Sorn, the island we were just at in the Lost World. That said, the Jurassic Park 3 intro is still amazing. Like, Jurassic Park, I feel like they always nail the intros. The opening was kind of weird with the kid and his stepdad paragliding over the island. Like, we start on the boat. So the film starts out, and we are... There's some people doing some weird, like, hang gliding thing off the back of the boat. Dino. Dinosaur. Dinosaur. Get it? Like, soar? <laughs> the soaring. Like, up in the air? It's a it's a paragliding company. Soar. Dinosaur. That guy. But I at least have to give them props for cutting right to the chase this time around. Uh, you know, everything's great. We, we know what island they're next to. Where, at the end of that movie... Richard Attenborough as Hammond was, I, I thought, was pleading with 
what, the Costa Rica government and the United States government to protect this island and keep people from going there so it can be like a, a, a wildlife preserve, essentially. So why the hell are people paragliding if if this is protected by two separate governments? How how, how did you get there? It's, it's not going to be good, but we don't know how it's going to be bad. So we learn that this kid is Taylioni's kid, who, and this is like Taylioni's boyfriend. But they don't, they don't live in Costa Rica, do they? So like, they went on a, a trip to Costa Rica to go see the dinosaur island. We, why are they here? I mean, I assume Taylioni went on the trip too. She just didn't want to go to the dinosaur island, so they, she didn't even go on the boat. It was just them too. Uh, so yeah, we get you know the clouds and the there's stuff happening with the boat, and why why would you ever do this? Uh, it's, it's all gone wrong, and he's had to detach the parasail parachute thing from, and they've gone floating towards the island because he you don't want to land in the sea because there's, there's nothing for miles around unless you want to float back to Costa Rica no one wants to do that so I, I did mention in the first episode I call it the eat the rich franchise this is the eat the rich and the pretending to be rich franchise to, to be a little bit more specific but I mean oh come on don't he's like he's intentionally trying to get as far into the island as possible you know there's dinosaurs on the island that will f- eat you just try and stay near the coast yeah, yeah. Where maybe a boat might come and find you, and then the next people doing a f- stupid p- bypass trying to capture some sites and dinosaurs. Use brain, mate. Use brain. You're probably just going to get stuck in your parachute and die anyway. Yeah, it's like you know. Well, let's just go to a dinosaur island. What could possibly go wrong? And then everyone finds out at the same time what could go wrong. Also, what killed the the paragliding people on the boat? They just they drove through fog and then died. Uh, what is this? Is this a f-ing Stephen King novel or is this Jurassic Park? What What are you? I think the concept of this movie is a pretty decent one. Uh, it's a rescue mission to Isla Sorna, the same island from The Lost World. Early in pre-production, it seems that Michael Crichton was part of the pitch process, but apparently couldn't come up with a suitable idea and left the project. Eventually, the idea of a group of people getting stranded on Isla Sorna became the starting point, and that's kind of the movie we got presented. It's a fun little foray into the uh, Isla Sorna, the Sarcasm Island, previously established in Jurassic Park 2, where the dinosaurs are bizarrely let run wild by the world. Which is essentially a dinosaur nature preserve at this point, and it's quarantined from the rest of the world as it should be. After the intro, the movie literally begins with foreshadowing, where Dr. Grant is holding the Spinosaurus and T-Rex toys. Alright, we got Grant back, and he is obsessed with raptors. Raptors, raptors, raptors. So apparently raptors are smarter than primates? Really? Raptors, raptors, raptors. They are so smart. (laughs) Smarter than lawyers? I think not. And they can communicate? I mean, we knew that they could communicate. We saw that in the first movie with them calling out and other raptors responding. So, I mean, it's, animals do communicate. It's not that far of a stretch. Uh, the, the scene of them talking is kind of forced now because that's also, like, absurdly heavy foreshadowing. But as a kid, man, I was in that raptor communication conversation. I was loving every second of that. Raptors are the best. Raptors would have been the dominant species if it wasn't for their extinction. Raptors would be driving cars right now. So apparently Ellie and Grant aren't 
together. I, I don't. I don't think that's ever explained. I mean, I, I knew there was an age difference, but listening to everyone's entries on the Jurassic Park uh, episode that we did, I didn't realize it was like twenty freaking years like that. I thought it was maybe like ten at most. I, I didn't. I didn't realize Ellie was supposed to be that young and Grant was supposed to be that old, but I guess it didn't work out. Oh man, this this woman is the worst archaeologist ever. Like, she can't tell rock from bone, and yet she's got to the point in her educational university career where she's working on a dig site of precious dinosaur bones and velociraptor ones at that, Grant's speciality, and she can't f***ing tell rock from bone! What a f***ing dumbass. The uh, creepy hand touch with the young guy and the fossil thing kind of reminds me of uh, Goldblum in the first film, which is also kind of a weird decision because we make... uh, What's his name? I don't remember his name. We make this dude sort of creepy, sort of reminiscent of the first film. Again, it's like it's trying to be the first film, but literally none of that ever pays off. Like after this scene, we're done. He never interacts with like another woman except the mom. Like that's it. Oh, look, 3D printers. Neat. I love the rapid prototyper in this movie. Like it was probably most likely total BS at the time that this came out. And then in this day and age, I know about half a dozen people with one or more 3D scanners uh, and 3D printers just chilling on their desks. Like, it's so cool that this is one thing that is currently in reality into such a minuscule size. Yeah, the dino whistle, the whatever, the, the, the language kazoo inside of the raptors, I feel is a little bit silly. It may be quote-unquote real, I don't know, but suddenly having the raptors have this level of communication like it's the the movie since the series since the beginning was always kind of pushing dinosaurs to not be you know the big dumb monsters that they're kind of portrayed previously in media the absolute best moment in the movie is when grant's giving a lecture and asks for questions and the whole room's hands go up he says does anyone have a question that does not relate to jurassic park half the hands go down then he says or the incident in San Diego, which I did not witness. And everyone else puts their hands down. Uh, Dr. Grant, what do you think about that Site B with all those extra dinosaurs? Not interested. No force on Earth or Heaven could get me on that island. So the Kirbys want to hire uh, Grant and Billy to be their, their guides as they fly over uh, Isla Sorna. Uh, Gra- Grant does not want to go back to... <laughs> the island, but apparently will go back because he needs to. He needs the money. All right. Well, so everyone does have a price. I can write all sorts of numbers on this check. Uh, Grant really needs the money. Apparently, you would think he would have gotten some sort of massive settlement from the first incident. A fun little tidbit I thought I would share is that the country western song being played at the bar where Alan and Billy meet the Kirby's apparently is a telltale sign that the Kirby's are not being honest. One of the lyrics actually reads, And I lie, lie, lie. Which can be heard as the scene ends. Considering this song is written and performed by everyone's favorite composer Randy Newman, this is a purposeful song about lying and is intentionally placed within the scene. 
And I'm gonna breathe on it first because I'm Wendy Newman talking about toys and dinosaurs. Why didn't he write a Jurassic Park song? I don't know. Anyway. Hey, you remember that pen I mentioned in the last episode? The one about the backpack? Well, somehow that already uninspired idea not only made it into another movie, but it is now a character in this movie. Oh, Billy has a lucky pack too? Oh, that's 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 great. That's super original. I it's I was not just used in a previous movie by another main character or anything. Like Jurassic Park 3, like find some new material. Seriously, another lucky bag? We're doing this again. And then uh yeah, we kind of just like quickly jump over to this spray-painted plane and that's when it hit me this time like how quickly this is moving. We're under 10 minutes and we're on our fourth location and it's kind of like heavily leaning into a 90s action movie. And in what is undoubtedly the most infamous scene in the film. All right, I know when they're on the plane and they're flying to the island and Grant falls asleep and he wakes up and nobody's there. He's dreaming. But the fact that they had a talking raptor in his dream is so stupid. Uh, Grant dozes off on the plane ride to the island, and during that time, he has some sort of nightmare where he is being spoken to by a raptor. But the cheesiest moment in the whole damn franchise is that random dream sequence that Grant has where the raptor says, Alan! Alan! Uh, Alan! 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 Why? And I know the talking raptor scene is going to be brought up and going to be torn to shreds because people hate it. I mean, clearly he has some sort of PTSD from the first incident, which apparently he got no settlement for. <laughs> oh, I just I just love the bit where he wakes up. The di- I love the bit where he, the dinosaur man just wakes up. Because <laughs> he's having a dream that a velociraptor's talking to. Why is Grant dreaming about talking raptors? Brilliant. But it's a dream sequence, people. A dream. It's about as real as dinosaurs, so stop whining about it. And why Why is he dreaming about this raptor that is not the raptor from Jurassic Park? He's dreaming about a raptor he hasn't even seen yet. Alan. So in attempting to recreate the magic of the first film, they have the plane swooping over the island with the dinosaurs, uh, and they have... You know, John Williams' score swelling, but it's just, it doesn't land the same. And of course, they decide, uh, speaking of landing, decide they're going to actually land the plane, even though they told uh, Grant that they weren't. And so he gets a swift blackjack to the back of the skull. Oh, man. This Cooper's a right douche. So they find an airfield and they're going to they're gonna land. And then the mercenaries just knock Grant out because he started saying, no, this is a bad idea. We're not going to listen to the dinosaur expert that we brought because because reasons? First of all, he's bumped old Alan over the back of the head on the plane, and then he's gone off running into the thing, and now he's like, he's gone missing as they're all trying to get back on the plane. For all the faults that I will give this movie, and I'm going to continue giving this movie, I appreciate how quick the response was to the stupid plan of going to rescue the kid and the other dude. They were on the ground for probably less than five minutes, and they're like, you know what? Uh, no, terrible. Let's go. Oh, there he is, Lee, standing on the runway. Oh, f- you, Cooper. See, like, oh, 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 he's been eaten by a dinosaur. Oh, and, and that set the plane crashing. So everyone is aware that there's big dinosaurs on this island, but nobody, nobody is prepared. 
everyone's just using megaphones and small guns, and the mercenaries are immediately outmatched within 30 seconds of being on the island. This movie is a pretty sharp decline in quality. Woo! CGI here is not good. Not good. But it does still deliver on some fun action sequences. One thing I can say with confidence that gets increasingly better with each film are the effects. While there's a few sequences in this one that don't really hold up, I think overall the special effects are pretty solid for this one, for the time. Oh look, more bad CGI hadrosaurs. Editing is awful. CGI is awful. How about that Spinosaurus? Uh, side note, uh, the Spinosaurus looks like trash, but that's fine. The Spinosaur, eh. I think they do a good job of showing how dangerous this creature is. It was an attempt to replace the T-Rex as the big bad, and it didn't do it for me. Prior to this movie, I was unaware of this particular species. How, I have no idea, considering the first record of a fossil discovery was 1912. I also have to give them props for having something other than a T-Rex as the main dino threat in this movie. Alright, so, we're already on the island... People are already dying. We don't know what they're dying by. It's probably a T-Rex. Oh shit, it's not a T-Rex. We've got a Spinosaur, which like, of course, every kid at this point in their life knew what the Spinosaur was. I genuinely thought the writers made something up for this movie. Uh, yeah, it's just a dumb one. Like, don't, don't use dinosaurs that people don't know and don't like. You Use the big dinosaurs. Use, use the famous dinosaurs, you know? Just, just do that. That's what people want. Now, it's funny that I thought that, because if certain details I found are true, then this film connects deeper to the newest trilogy even more. If you take into account that this movie takes place on Isla Sorna, the first real question to ask should be, where the hell was this Spinosaurus in the last film? And that's pretty damn valid. However, take note of a comment from Billy when he and Grant are talking about it. He says, I don't remember seeing that on Engine's list. To which Grant responds, it wasn't on their list which makes you wonder what else they were up to. This line, along with certain supplemental material, suggests that the Spinosaurus in this flick was a prototype hybrid, a precursor to the Indominus Rex, created by engine scientists after the events of the Lost World. If this is true, then this film no longer feels like an oddity, but a precursor to the events in Jurassic World. Here's hoping they all tie together in Dominion. Stay tuned to hear if they did. So in contrast to Jurassic Park 2, which felt sort of like a slow burn build up towards action, Jurassic Park 3 just jumps right in. I mean, they land the plane and there is a Spinosaurus there ready to F them up like immediately. The plane <laughs> what bounces off the back of the Spinosaur, still intact for the most part. At least the fuselage is still intact. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, yeah, that sent the plane crashing into a tree. And on this, you know, being my 20 or 30 something to watch through is like, yeah, I actually kind of wonder, can that plane take off quicker than like the dramatization of it? Uh, and so I looked it up. So the Beechcraft B-200 Super King Air has a takeoff distance of about 2,500 feet. So realistically, yeah, I do think these guys would be screwed because uh, I'm pretty sure they hadn't quite hit 2,500 feet to get all the way off the ground yet. So yeah, okay, all right, you know, a little bit of accuracy. Good job, Jurassic Park 3, you did something right. So in Jurassic Park 2, a bunch of people go to the island 
to see dinosaurs or capture dinosaurs or do something with dinosaurs, and they don't fully understand the depth of what they're getting into. But the one person who was there before is the voice of reason. It's like, we, we should be here. We shouldn't be doing this. And of course, same thing happens here. No one wants to listen to Dr. Grant. Wait a minute. Cooper, you're the true villain of this story, aren't you? Yeah? Yeah? You're, you're the hired muscle. You've, you've hit Alan over the head with some sort of twig, and then you've got everyone into danger within the first 10 seconds of the movie, and then you've even got the T-Rex to knock the plane out of the sky to knock everyone into the tree. Yep, Cooper, I know you got eaten very early on, but you are the true villain in this story. Then we get the, uh, another, another thing in a tree scene, another vehicle in a tree, vehicle that doesn't belong in a tree, in a tree scene, and the, we haven't landed yet. And then the Spinosaur comes and, and attacks, and this whole scene of CGI and giant Spinosaur, the editing, the editing is awful. I can't, it cuts so many times. Oh my gosh, this is totally, this green screen work is terrible. What was the budget for this film? 90, $93 million. What did they do with it? I mean, I guess shooting in a tropical location could cost money, but what? Jesus. It, it feels like such a drop in quality. Definitely from Jurassic Park. And even from The Lost World, which, you know, was not as good as Jurassic Park. This just, this seems like you're going the way of the horror movie trope of it gets worse with every iteration <laughs> that you continue on with the series. In each film, they find ways to add new textures and details to the dinosaurs, which I really appreciate. Here they went with some interesting color schemes, which seem somewhat natural to reptilian creatures. But I'm not going to say that I think they all worked. I commend them for at least trying to do something different. And yeah, that scene is cool. The Spinosaur animatronic sticking its head up into there. Oh my God. Like you, you got to love the the animatronics always. Like it doesn't matter how good or bad the movie is when they throw animatronics in it. I just, I love it. I, I just love animatronics in general. So maybe I'm biased. Even more impressive is the animatronics work on display here with the Spinosaurus model being the largest ever built at the time, measuring at 25 feet high, 40 feet long, and weighing over 24,000 pounds. Pretty damn impressive if you ask me. Unfortunately, the acting feels like it's straight out of a Sharknado movie at times. Hello? Hello, Lester. Uh, hey. Do you like scary movies? Well, yeah. What's your favorite scary movie? Oh man, that's such a difficult question. I mean, what makes a great scary movie? We have to look at the story, the killer, direction. Ah, there's just so many factors to consider. Huh. I hadn't thought about that. It's definitely a topic worth discussing. As are many more elements to the genre. So many they could be discussed on a podcast. I agree. So, are we doing a podcast where we ramble on about our love for all things horror? I believe we are. Did we just become best friends? Does Michael Myers only kill on Halloween? You know I have caller ID, right, Stephen? Oh, damn it. Well, in any case, listen to the Horror Ramblings podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're a fan of this podcast and want to see it continue, help support us on Patreon, where you can unlock tons of exclusive content, including, but not limited to, movie commentaries, ad-free versions of our promo specials, extended cuts, early access to new episodes, behind-the-scenes clips, first access to merchandise, blooper reels, and even a chance to vote on what we cover next on our podcaster's disassembled episodes. 
Just head right on over to patreon.com slash podcasters assemble. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash podcasters assemble. Link in the show notes. So, of course, they can't even take off. The plane can't take off because the Spinosaurus, I guess, knocks it out of the air or something. And they crash in a tree. And then the Spinosaurus is chasing them down. Almost as soon as we meet the T-Rex, we're shown that he is no longer king. Which, I mean, it's, it's great. Like, come on. Dinosaurs fighting. This is, this is the scene that I think everyone wanted to see. The T-Rex versus the Spinosaur. That was just, that was just stupid. And we immediately get this kaiju fight, right? Dinosaurs fighting, briefly though it may be, the fact that there is a lot of damage happening, even though they're not directly aiming it towards people, like, there's real problems happening right now. A T-Rex shows up, and the Spinosaurus shows up, and they start fighting over each other. You, you only had that. It was like Hulk versus Thanos. Oh, we gotta show how big and badass this, this Spinosaur is. Let's kill the popular thing from the past two movies that everyone loves. That That's a great idea, you idiots. And this is sort of like the scene in King Kong where they have to establish, like, the strength of Kong. And so Kong has to defeat, you know, a T-Rex in the jungle. So you understand that, oh, no, wait, Kong is the... You might think the T-Rex is the threat, but it's actually Kong is the big deal. And they, they basically do the same thing here. Oh, yes. What's more scary than a T-Rex? Yes, a dino that can snap a T-Rex's neck that, uh, uh, what? Except it just looks really dumb. <laughs> like, it's, this, this is like a, I, is it four legs? Or is it supposed to be like two short arm? I, I feel like there was a dinosaur here and they've tried to make it look slightly more like a T-Rex to sort of almost put them on par with each other. But it, I, I, yeah, this, this dinosaur doesn't work for me. Like, yeah, it's a big old f- dinosaur yeah he's got big jaws and it could probably snap a t-rex's neck and they show that you know the spinosaurus takes out the t-rex and you know showing that no 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 you thought the t-rex was the alpha predator but it's the spinosaurus the spinosaurus is the thing you have to worry about and we do learn that uh of everyone here the only like true professional is dr grant amanda kirby has learned nothing she is the reason the spinosaur attack them because she was using a megaphone in the middle of a jungle yelling and here she is continuing to scream for her son i realize she wants to find her son but it's no good if you are eaten we get like 10 minutes of taylioni screaming or at least it seemed like that when they find ben's corpse no one is a professional everyone is a liar uh, except for, you know, Dr. Grant and his assistant, which I guess I don't think I ever wrote his name down. Uh, apparently, Bobby got away. Not Bobby. What is the kid's name? Eric? Eric, what's the kid's name? Is it Eric? But, man, like, what is what is this movie? What are you doing? What are you saying? There's, like, no hubris. There's nothing to do with professionalism. Like, almost everyone dies anyways. It just, come on. What's going on? Oh, they stumble upon a, uh, a couple of raptor nests, and they bring Grant over there to look at them. And I know exactly what Bill, my podcasting friend, uh, is thinking right now. Oh, Grant, he's at it again. F***ing Grant's back, and he's f***ing sniffing shit again. He's thinking Grant just wants to walk up to those nests and just smell them. 
You know, he just wants to smell those eggs. Grant, you are f***ing sick, mate. Where's Billy? He was left alone with the dinosaur eggs for a while. Now he looks really suspicious. I'm sure there's nothing going on. Seriously, what in the world would make you think that stealing eggs from an animal would just go over well? He played his hand pretty hard, too, freaking out over his precious bag. It's possible he could have gotten them off the island, but no doubt at the cost of everyone else. Hey, we found a facility. Maybe the kid's in there. When they're in the old InGen facility, which I'm guessing this is a different one than, than Lost World, and uh, Paul Kirby goes to kick the um, the vending machine, and he can't kick the kick through the glass like Billy did, and, he, and William H. Macy just takes a moment and goes, Ugh! and then wander, wa- waddles. He limps off. That was funny. More funny because it's William H. Macy. Oh, the raptors are hunting them for some reason. Coolest dinosaurs. Well, I mean, we got raptors again. And they left that guy alive as bait. They set a trap. They are smart. Clever boys and girls. So another great thing. Uh, This movie still has the horror aspects, albeit this one is the least horror. But the raptor head and the glass... Like that, that is a tattoo worthy scene right there. That is, you know, put it on your body and remember it forever because even now, like, man, that's so cool. No, so we've pissed off the raptors and they're even smarter than they were in the first film. (gasps) They're laying traps. I do like the way that the they depict the raptors in this one and showing how they communicate and strategize. Some of them looked like the regular raptors some of them look different for some reason were they adolescent i don't know we saw a t-rex for 30 seconds that was cool (sighs) and yeah in this one it has the like difference in head style with a little bit more of like feathery accent and i kind of wonder like was this movie's raptor designs influenced more by the discovery that a lot of dinosaurs probably had feathers so it's not something i've looked up i didn't watch any special features or anything i'm sorry i didn't do my job but i I do like the the dinosaurs changing like it's not much but cool i do love the bit where the raptors are trapped uh, or they've they've tried to trap the um the i think it's the husband and wife people behind the door and it looks up and it starts trying to climb up to climb over and they push the door around and trap the trap the raptor behind it then it starts calling out for help <laughs> and Alan's like, it's calling for backup. <laughs> it's just like uh, Alan's Alan's arc of learning how to speak Raptor in this film is great. <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous, but I love it. It's so so good. And while I have no indications about how a Raptor would act, I do appreciate the added nuances to them here, showcasing their intelligence and how pack hunters would coordinate to hunt. The scene where they essentially set a trap to lure out their survivors was particularly clever. Would animals actually pull that off? I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. I mean, I'm sure they could deduce that out and figure that it would work. Plus, I appreciate that the raptors are only attempting to get their eggs back. Would they have chased them had the eggs not been stolen? That's the real question. One I'm not certified to answer. But if I were, I'd like to think not. Scariest moment. Uh, This one does have a few good jump scares with the raptors. Anyway, Grant gets surrounded and he's totally going to die until like eight smoke bombs come flying in. And it turns out that kid uh, saved Dr. Grant. 
with the smoke bombs that he found from the leftover from the facility. And it turns out I was right. His name is Eric. So Eric, the uh, the Kirby's kid, apparently is very resourceful. He's been surviving in a water truck for eight weeks, just stealing things from the InGen compound to eat and survive. Eight weeks this kid has survived on this island. How old is he? He's like he's like 12, 14. Uh, how old is this kid? He survived eight weeks on a dinosaur island when in the last movie, like a well-armed team, like ha- like 90% of them died before they could get like a mile into the jungle. I'm, I just, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not, calm down, calm down. This is a, supposed to be a fun movie. Oh, and he, yeah, Eric, Eric turns up out of nowhere and gasses the, um, the velociraptors to save Alan's life. Eric, I didn't know you was in this film. Is it Eric with a C or Eric with a K? I'm sure it's Eric. This is this is definitely Eric. This is the guy who edits Podcasters Assemble. He's the kid from this movie. Yeah? Don't let him tell you otherwise. He's going to deny it, but it's him. And then he uses uh, T-Rex urine to scare away the smaller dinosaurs, but it attracts the Spinosaur? Grant brings up, how do you get this? And Eric's response is, you don't want to know. So apparently Eric stands directly underneath a T-Rex when it pisses so he can bottle it. You could sell that. You could make a fortune. I mean, there's a girl who used to fart in a jar, and now she sells her boob sweat for, like, $500. Yeah, he could make a killing at this with T-Rex urine. Oh, this kid's such a dinosaur nut, he's read all of Dr. Grant's books. Just like the last time Dr. Grant met a kid. One thing that I do appreciate kind of throughout this entire movie Despite Grant's dislike of the island, he does still love and admire dinosaurs. Like, that's not gone. He just doesn't want to be here. Well, Eric is an idiot just like his parents. He hears the phone and he just goes screaming and running through the woods. You've been dealing with dinosaurs. You know that's a horrible idea. Why would you do that? Time for ringtone ex machina. Oh, this, the cell phone bit was hilarious. Again, not as funny as shocking Timmy off of an electric fence. That that mm, There will not be a funnier moment in Jurassic Park, a series beyond that. But in this one, um, late in the movie, they hear a cell phone and <laughs> they realize that it was like a guy who had been eaten earlier in the movie and they also need a communication device. Then you see a big dinosaur with the cell phone basically inside of his tummy making the noise. Now, I've only seen this movie once before, but that goddamn satellite phone ringtone is stuck in my brain. Hey, so the scene, one of like the first scenes where we hear the phone doing that annoying ring, uh, how? How do we, how do we hear it? Uh, it is gut deep in a spinosaur. That, how do we how do we hear that? That's a lot of wall, or maybe it's just a really, really loud ringer. Now, <laughs> it's really funny with that huge dinosaur that's eaten that guy who had the satellite phone, and someone's trying to call the phone so they can hear it ringing in the dinosaur's belly. <laughs> I I do find that genuinely funny, despite the fact you know. That thing's going to be sitting amongst all the other food in its belly, and it's going to be getting through all of its digestive fluid. It's If it is even still working and still ringing at this point, it's not going to be loud enough to get through all of that food and body fat and the stuff. doesn't matter, okay? It's funny as f***. 
you've got a fucking dinosaur ringing around that's chasing after you. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Somehow brings the groups back together, and then they realize, wait, we don't have a phone. And then you realize the Spinosaurus ate the guy with the phone, and it's ringing inside the Spinosaurus's stomach. So when Grant and Eric are reunited with the Kirbys and Billy, they're separated by a, a giant fence. How, how does the Spinosaur sneak up on them? I know Eric made mention of the T-Rex sneaking up all stealthily uh, in the, at the end of the first film. But the Spinosaur, that's bigger than the T-Rex as this movie is trying to shove down our throats and more deadly... How did it sneak through the thick forest and nobody heard it or saw it? It's just there. It's got Jason Voorhees powers, apparently. Oh, yeah. And then it big old smashes through the fence and then they close that door and put a couple of bolts across and it can't get through it. What? (laughs) That thing would easily smash through that door. Come on. Come on. There's no way that door would stop it. Ah, man. Ruin my immersion in this film. I'm loving this film. They mentioned they stole some dinosaur eggs. Bullshit. Oh, the pterodon scene. All right, now this, I do enjoy this, seeing the pterodons. They managed to escape the Spinosaurus by hiding in a building that apparently the Spinosaurus just doesn't feel like going into. And they climb down a set of stairs towards the river because they're going to follow the river back to the shore. That makes sense. Oh, Grant, he's at it again. F***ing Grant's back and he's f***ing sniffing shit again. Is that pterodactyl shit? And he's giving it his Picking it up, rubbing it in his hand, sniffing it. Grant, you are f***ing sick, mate. Wash your hands. Get some f***ing antisipsis. Stop, stop spreading your diseases. Pterodactyl shit. Come on. Although the catwalks and bridges, you're supposed to be walking one at a time because they look shaky, but after the pterodons attack, everyone's just running everywhere and everything's fine. I think one of the cool sequences is where they're uh, making their way through the pterodon aviary i think it is which was something from the first book that didn't quite make it in the movie along with the river ride which was presumably cut from the first movie for either budget or time concerns anyway they end up entering some sort of uh, locked uh, locked area uh, and after a while they realize that it's actually a giant bird cage coolest dinosaurs well pterodons i guess the pterodon because they had also been creating flying reptiles, not dinosaurs. Pteranodons and pterodactyls are not dinosaurs, people. They are flying reptiles. Just like the Mosasaur from Jurassic World, also not a dinosaur. It feels like there's a lot more free time for human drama in this film. We saw the pterodon at the end of The Lost World, and we got more of them now in this movie. So I guess that would be the coolest one. Like the the pterodon attack sequence is probably the single longest one. Oh, Alan Grant, master of kicking dinosaurs in the face. And uh, the pteranodons uh, don't look good. And the baby pteranodons look even worse. So there's that. Oh, Eric's f- now. He's been picked up by a pterodactyl and he's dropped it off to his kids. <laughs> They're still trying to eat it. <laughs> and then good old Billy. Billy decides that he's going to try and save him using the parachute. Because Billy's in everyone's bad books at the moment for stealing the Velociraptor eggs. Oh, I forgot to mention that um, that we find out the raptors are pursuing the group because Billy steals a couple raptor eggs because he wants to bring them back and sell them. And then that will help fund the the paleontology, pa- paleontology, the, the archaeological, the the dig. 
the dinosaur dig, the thing that they do with the digging. Billy's just trying to help, but he's stupid. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, it starts really cool. You can't go wrong with, once again, like, we are on Isla Sorna, but as a reference to Isla Nublar, because there's now clouds and stuff in this place, and that pterodon emerging, but then, like, everything that happens after this, it doesn't feel quite the same as the drama in the previous ones. Like, this is probably the equivalent of the gymnastic scene, and I still feel like the gymnastic scene hits better. And he dives off and starts swooshing around. Ah, it's just great. I absolutely love it. This whole sequence with the pterodactyls is the best bit in this movie, and it's one of the best bits in Jurassic Park altogether, if you ask me. Hey, but this is exciting. Hey, look, there's Billy. He's going to save Eric, whatever the kid is. He's going to save him. He's going to use the parachute that they found before, the paraglider thing. There he goes, and he up, he's stuck on the rocks. It's just so, so great. It's got real big Indiana Jones vibes to it with the sort of, you know, when he's in tense moments and he's fighting with people and going back and forth. And yeah, it really, really shines in this. Yeah, I just absolutely love it. Fantastic sequence, this whole thing with the pterodactyls inside the cage. I do like that moment after the pterodon seemingly kill him and he looks back at Grant and Mr. Kirby with this gaze like, you guys want to be next? So Billy saves uh, Eric, but seemingly gets pecked to death or drowns or something with Pterodon. Somehow he survives a, a fall from, I don't know, 20 feet into some pretty shallow water, but up, uh, he gets eaten anyway. Yep, he's dead. Well, all right. Bye, Billy. You know, Billy got to pour one out for him. He was very selfless in the act of trying to save the kid and literally sacrificed himself. So rip in peace, Billy. And we get one more blood in the water scene, which at this point is like kind of getting very old. Definitely dead. Billy honestly should have died, in my opinion. Goodbye, Billy. We hardly knew ye. How he survived is one of this film's biggest mysteries. Actually, it isn't considering that the actor whined about his character dying and they changed the script. Oh my God, I don't want to die. It's not fair. F***ing actors. The rest of the group escapes the pteranodon cage uh aviary i guess is what i'd call it and uh and they oops they left the door unlocked oh no now the flying reptiles will be able to leave the island oh fucking hell she didn't shut the gate she didn't shut the bloody gate were you born in a barn shut the gate behind you that's keeping in the flying pterodactyls that want to eat everybody come on but if they were locked in here then how did who attacked the boat and why at the end of Jurassic Park 2 were there pterodactyls on the land? And then anyone want to take a shot at sewing up this plot hole? Anyone? So as Grant and the Kirbys are floating down the river on this boat that somehow the gas is still good, even though it's been abandoned for years, that's not how gasoline works. But So they find a boat and they're going to take the boat down the river. Um, and actually, we got a really nice scene here. Uh, where Grant talks about the difference between kids who want to be astronomers and kids who want to be astronauts. And I really relate to that. So this is the people who want to go to space and the people who want to study space from the safety of the Earth. The ringtone is back, but this time, no Spinosaurus. It's in the poop. That's right. 
giant piles of dinosaur poop have returned. Uh-oh, the phone of doom is back. And now it's a pretty shitty time. <laughs> the phone's in the shit. <laughs> and then, boy, did they follow through on this bit, because then they later are digging through giant steamy piles of poop when they hear the phone ringing again later. They come across the, uh, the satellite phone, which is ringing in a few piles of spinosaur poop, and they can't figure out which pile of poop the phone is ringing. Like, you should be able to just get close enough to one and go, it's in here. Nope, we're all going to dig into all three piles. Hey, the uh, dinosaur near the dung is a uh, ceratosaurus, so that's cool. Uh, one horn on the nose, you know. Weird use of an animatronic, bro. Oh, man. Like I said, this thing would have been gone through some fucking heavy, heavy dinosaur digestive fluid acid shit or alkaline shit. No way that uh, that satellite phone has survived being digested by a dinosaur and then it shat it out. And also, everyone climbed down a massive cliff of pterodactyls to get to this point. How has this monster gone from being up on the plateau to being down here to take a big dump to get the phone out? Because it wasn't like they went down slowly. Like They got chased by pterodactyls and pretty much jumped half the way down with parachutes and then went in the water and got out, you know? What's, what's going on? How did he get down there? How? Come on, answer me this. And <laughs> Alan Grant puts that thing straight up to his face. Unbelievable. Oh, Grant, he's at it again. And he's giving it his picking it up, he's rubbing it his hands, sniffing it. Wash your hands. Get some f***ing antisipsis. Stop, stop spreading your diseases. I mean, that dude really wants to get off that island. Grant... You are fucking sick, mate. Because he's like, hand me the shit phone. I'm calling Ellie. Oh, they're bringing back all of the nostalgia from the first film. This is great. Oh, and a nice little gag here. Uh, they're hiding in the, the poop from a Carnotaurus. I think it's a Carnotaurus that shows up. Uh, and it kind of just looks at them and it's like, nah, I'm good. I'll go eat something else. Grant has time to make one phone call. And he calls Dr. Sadler. Different era, too, man. I look at my phone. Sideways, the screen cracks. <laughs> That beast made it through the intestines of a million-year-old dinosaur. Unscathed, still taking calls. Crazy. Also, there was a tie-in. I saw this on Wikipedia. A cell phone company tie-in <laughs> to this movie, which is a bold move. But this is the, this is the thing that's kind of twiggling in my brain, is that the child says, oh, yeah, it's got it's got the ringtone, Dad. You know, the one the, the ringtone for the store. That's just like, that just sounds like the Nokia ringtone, isn't it? Or not the Nokia one. I, I recognise that ringtone. I feel like it was very, very famous. Maybe it was because of this film. And it made that ringtone famous back in the late 90s. That it just was on everyone's phone. Sorry that. Feels like they maybe hadn't seen a cut of the movie before they made that agreement. Oh, or Brachiosaurus. I don't know which one it is. Come on, he's got a big f***ing long neck. Oh, they're just absolutely beautiful creatures. And they all sort of lean in and go... It's, it's so silly and so dumb. And actually, probably some of the worst CGI we've seen so far in the last three films. Oh, but I love it. That's that sense of adventure, you know? This is kind of like the only one minute when they've popped it in there. So far, all we've had is the Compter things that, you know, little ones that eat shit. And the... Uh, the two big dinosaurs chasing one around, the T-Rex and the other thing, whatever it is, the long mouth, weird thing, big fin on its back. So this movie is 
less like, far less like Jurassic Park and Lost World. And it just is trying to be more of a horror movie because the Spinosaur is just like the killer in a horror movie just continues to show up for no reason just to pursue these people. There's easier prey to go after, but it is determined to go after these humans for some reason. But they're attacked by the Spinosaurus. Also, can this thing swim? Why can this thing swim? It seems really out of character. During during the attack, he Grant calls Ellie. Why? I know he's only got enough battery power for one call, but what is Ellie going to do? Is she does she somehow have connections to somebody somewhere? Did they explain that? I don't remember that as part of the film. So yes, you can get a hold of Ellie, but what what will she do? And Dr. Sadler's little kid is the one who answered the phone. Uh-oh. The real the real monster, the real monster dinosaur of this movie has just revealed itself. And it's Barney. <laughs> Barney is costing people lives here. And and because they're attacked, the phone hangs up and he's like, It's the dinosaur man. And so she she actually this is a this is a moment in time. She uses star six nine to call the number back. No way Grant finds that flare gun under the water. That is a torrent of a river going on there. It's going to be that water is going to be dirty and murky as shit. You're not going to be able to see your hand in front of your face. Somehow he manages to go and pick up a flare gun. She finally gets the phone and they're being attacked and he could barely yell into the phone. The river, sight B. This whole Spinosaur boat scene again. Whenever the Spinosaur shows up, it's just cut, 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 cut. It like you can't really tell what the hell's happening. They just keep cutting. And all in all, this is probably the best scene in the film. I mean, the Spinosaurus is attacking the boat, and there's some for some reason there's a crane there, and there's gas spilling into the river, and they use an old flare gun to ignite the gas and scare the Spinosaurus off. I remember liking the ending to this one as a kid. The end, the end of this movie is so, so stupid. How do these raptors not see Grant blowing into the pipe and making noises? Like, yeah, they're looking around and they seem to have had fairly good sonar senses up until this point. But come on, it's obvious that the bloody human in front of you is doing it. And like, why would you take like why why would you just leave the humans alone? You take a little nibble of one of them at least, wouldn't you? And you'd be like, all right, thanks for the eggs back. I'm going to eat this one. <laughs> they all just walk off. The raptors show up. They want the eggs. For some reason, they think that Mrs. Mrs. Kirby, not not a vacuum cleaner, uh, uh, Amanda. Uh, they think she took the eggs for some reason, even though she's not holding the eggs in the pack. So she hands the eggs over. Grant still has the 3D print of the throat valve that raptors apparently communicate with, and he fends him off by blowing into it. It's a bit dumb, but still, I just kind of love it. It's very cool at the same time. Love it. I'll be honest, I'm really flagging here. I get, I get nothing left. I don't even want to talk about the, them trying to talk to the raptors. Not at all. And he's playing the damn raptor kazoo and confuses the raptors or communicates with raptors, and so then the raptors hear helicopters, which, who knows if they know what helicopters sound like, but they're just like, okay, cool, we've killed other people, and we've been assholes, and we just kill people for the sake of killing people, but we're just going to take these eggs and leave, because you sound like a raptor. 
That is, that's dumb. Still, still nowhere as bad as the gymnast girl in the Lost World. That was, that was terrible. Worst thing ever. Uh, when the army or the coast guard shows up as backup. Uh, anyway, they they get to the they get to the beach and the marines show up and they get on there. It turns out that somehow they picked up Billy. Also, Billy uh, Billy survived. That's great. Billy's alive. But what? How? What? Where did they find him? Oh, we're at the end of the film, and look, Billy survived. He just happened to wash out in the river. I guess he was floating out to sea, maybe. He came down the river. How and why? He made it all the way down river before the the people using the boat. <sighs> oh, and he's rescued Grant's hat. Oh, this is the best ending ever. You know, we, this is what we want. Nice moment there where he goes, I rescued your hat. That's, I thought that was cute. Spielberg has established that the one thing that you can never lose in, a, in an adventure is your hat. You know, we know this to be true. Not, not sure how he survived the fall, let alone being attacked by the Pteranodons while he was in the water. Must have been his lucky pack. Or he didn't have it. Well, I don't know then. I have no idea. And then Grant and the Kirbys, they exit the, the freaking forest, and there's a guy with a, a random man with a suit on and a megaphone, and then the Marines magically show up. But that whole scene is just super cheesy, especially with the militarized version of the John Williams Jurassic Park theme. And they all just come in at the end, and they ride their little boats in, and they're all like, we got the guns! Why? How? Did you just ran out of ideas? What happened here? How did Ellie pull this off? Well, at least William H. Macy and Taylor got back together. Crazy kids. I'm sure it'll last. So there's a bit here where the uh, you know the the mum and the dad and the son having a chat about a lot the last holiday they all went on together because this one's been such a roaring success. And in the last holiday, he sank a trailer into the water when they went to try and go fishing or something. And then the tow truck turned up and that also sank. And the driver really wanted to hit him. And like he's got a very punchable face anyway. And then the next family holiday they go on, they get stuck on the second violent dinosaur island. Like, this family is just an absolute disaster waiting to happen. Like, each time, like, you know, we're seeing the pattern here. Every time they go on holiday, things escalate quickly. Like, next time it's going to be a bloody nuclear winter that they set off. Like, these people need to be locked up. ASAP and kept away from good society before they destroy us all. That said, it would have been cool if we got to see them nuke the island. No one no one dropped a nuke on that island, which is baffling, but whatever. How did the US Navy just show up? You had a boat just hanging in Central America ready to go, but you're fine with people bringing in dino hang gliders. That's fine, but you won't intervene with that. So Jurassic Park 3 this film ends similar to the first, where everyone is leaving in a helicopter. Um, and oh, there we go. We have it. The Pteranodons are now flying off the island next to the helicopters. And of course, we get our triumphant flying off the island at the end of the movie that we will get in each of these films. And this time we get it with the full John Williams score, just like the first movie. Overall impressions of this movie. Eh. Overall, it's just, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah, I love this film. It's pretty good. I do not like this movie. It's delicious mediocrity. Overall, Jurassic Park 3 is not a great movie. 
I don't like it. It's stupid. It's a flaming hot pile of freaking garbage. But I do enjoy it for what it is. It's fine. <laughs> it is the worst one of the of the franchise. I think it's one of the better movies in the franchise. It's not Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but it is Mortal Kombat Annihilation for this franchise. It's a sleek 90-minute thrill ride that delivers on plenty of dino action. And isn't that what we came to see? Overall, Jurassic Park 3 feels like like an older movie than it really is. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's like this is like Jurassic Park 2. It's a fine action movie. It's not a great movie. You know, the, the, the kid ends up on the island. The family trick Grant into coming and help rescuing um It all turns out that they didn't even... They shouldn't have gone for Grant because he'd never been on a fucking island anyway. And then they all get off the island gradually, you know, with, with only a few peripheral people who didn't really matter to the story dying in the long run. And then Ellie comes and saves them all last at the end. But, you know, you've got that very concise story. It is perfectly wrapped. It's... This movie's stupid. It's just, it's dumb. It's, I don't know. This this is like the slower paced one to me. Again, like so many rapid scene cuts, the the terrible action that kind of never pays off, which it's like, is that part of the message as well? Like that humans are so weak that even the action does not apply to the dinosaurs because they are much greater than that. Man, I don't know. Jurassic Park 3, you know, it's, it's fun. You have, to, I, I watch it. Like every other year, I still watch it. You got to watch one, two and three and now the worlds. But it is the easiest for me to look away from. I just don't care that much. But like still, Spinosaurus animatronic. It's like super badass. And then by the end of it, the pterodons have escaped the, the cage anyways. So this whole thing, things that happen in future movies with dinosaurs getting out. It doesn't matter because technically dinosaurs already escaped here in Jurassic Park 3, which are still technically canon according to the Jurassic World director, but it has no bearing on Jurassic World or whatever the, the sequel that one was, which is also not that great. And then Dominion I haven't seen yet. It's just a... I, and again, like this just sort of further pushes the realization of how much they are trying to copy from the first film without doing anything wildly new. Like that's, I think why, even though there's so much action, why it feels like this movie is going nowhere is because there's like nothing new. This should have been so much different, particularly now that the entire world knows of the existence of dinosaurs, according to film two. This movie hurt my head. Even though they released the super dangerous flying dinosaurs with a taste for human flesh at the end. And Disaster Family, you know, good work on that. Well done on releasing that scourge upon the planet. Yeah, someone should kill these assholes. But anyway, I, I, I love this movie. I really like it. This is way better than two. Because at least it keeps to its plot consistently. Also, the other thing that's like retroactive or post-film uh, the biggest letdown was how much this film felt like it was leading to the next film having dinosaurs on the mainland. And then we get Jurassic World, which is essentially just a repeat of Jurassic Park 1. And there's no terror to be had in reality. And that that was like Jurassic World. We'll get to it. I enjoy it. It is fun. But I was upset by Jurassic Park 3 when Jurassic World release and it was not what Jurassic Park 3 was hinting at. So this is an uh, odd tangent, but has anyone seen the movie Boa? 
So there's a, this maximum, maximum, super maximum security prison that they bury like in Antarctica. And while they're uh, while they're there, they they open up this like nitrogen pocket that has this giant prehistoric snake that's been trapped in there for millions of years. And it gets out and it's like attacking all the guards and the prisoners. And it's Dean Kane is in the film, of course. Uh, and at the very end, they get on like a helicopter to like escape. And uh, the of course the giant snake somehow like gets into the helicopter or it's it's holding on to the helicopter. It's trying to prevent it from take off. And Dean Kane has to like shoot it with a missile or something and that's sort of the vibe i got at the end of this movie this, this movie was you know dumb and fun and that movie ends with is that snake gone and dean kane goes hell yeah right and i sort of get that vibe from this film i feel like it's better than it's maybe given credit for because it's the third in the series and of course it does not hold up to the delight and wonder of jurassic park it doesn't do any of that at this point, it really feels like the JP movies are slowly turning into the old Godzilla and Kong movies, where each one gets progressively worse in quality, but more campy and fun to watch. There are more things I dislike about this movie than I actually like about it. Uh, we did get to see a lot of the things that we wanted to see, but I feel like this movie really kind of like... If Lost World, and I get Lost World is still a bad movie for many reasons, but Lost World does something different... Uh, Jurassic Park 3 is like doing everything they can to essentially just like rehash Jurassic Park 1. And one of the things I mentioned in uh, Lost World is that that movie was pivotal in kind of directing where the franchise would go, uh, at least at that point in time. And this is also to me like one of the most childish of the movies because a child is one of the primary characters in the original Jurassic Park the kids I don't know the kids feel different they they feel like actual characters instead of just being kids they're characters who are kids instead of kid characters and then like Lost World just feels like it's trying to cater to more of the childlike hero like okay we're gonna have a kid and that kid's gonna do cool things and the things are cool. The sequences around them are cool, uh, like cooler than the actual, you know, gymnast stuff. And they're like, okay, so she had Im important scenes, but wasn't an important character. And the third one is like, okay, we need a kid to be like one of the main characters. And that, that still like kind of throws me off. The things that I like about the movie are Sam Neill and William H. Macy. That's about it. Those are the only things I like about it. Everything else, ugh, just not even entertaining to me. This is just my opinion. I, I know there are other people that think this is not the worst one. I know for a fact there's other people that think The Lost World is a worse film, Jurassic Park film, than this. I, I mean, you you guys are, guys and girls are entitled to your opinion. You're freaking wrong. But yeah, you're allowed to have your opinion. So there's a lot of things to nitpick about this film. I mean, it's, it's, it's even calling it a film. Is a stretch. I mean, it's a popcorn movie and it was fun and it's 90 minutes. And I think it's better than Jurassic Park 2. Now, I will say the best thing about Jurassic Park 2 is the, any of the stuff with Jeff Goldblum. And there just wasn't enough Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park 2. Like, if it was just the Jeff Goldblum show, I would have liked it a lot more. Yeah, I don't really have any specific thoughts about it. Oh, I did read that Alexander Payne, is that his name? The guy that did the very excellent Citizen Ruth and the very excellent 
election. He was involved at one point in script writing. Um, it sounds like maybe a lot of his stuff got cut out, but that to me is really interesting because this movie, it seems like there's a version of it that could have been slightly funnier because I mean, funnier in a dark sarcastic way. And that would have been fantastic. Jurassic Park 3 isn't some hidden gem that moviegoers have overlooked, but I do kind of feel like it's underrated by comparison to its predecessors. The film doesn't attempt to emulate Spielberg. It attempts to give you what you came to see, an action-packed adventure full of dinosaur action and carnage. A true popcorn flick in every sense. This one's just like straight action, things are happening, dumb stuff's happening, uh, you know, poop gags, ringtone gags, why do you have the eggs... Non, just just nonsense everywhere, and it's just a lot of fun. And yeah, I think the only disappointing thing is like they could have had some more interesting dinosaur moments. I think someone mentioned it in the last episode, where the first one kind of had the magical adventure feel to it. You know, the bit where they're in the tree and the Brachiosaurus or Diplodocus, whatever it is, it's got a f-ing long neck. It comes over and eats the eats the trees, and they have a nice interaction with that dinosaur. And those are the magical moments. You know, it shouldn't just be oh shit this thing's gonna eat me you know you gotta have the other side of it you know the veggie sauruses as they're called you know we want some of that shit because we love that shit that's what we really want that's what we really want man i just i'm, I'm gonna make a uh well we don't want to six seventh i'm gonna make a seventh jurassic park film where it's only vegetarian dinosaurs and there's just a mild risk that you might get trodden on if you're standing in the wrong spot yeah spielberg give me a ring mate i mean like at this point i realize Like, I don't really know what this movie is trying to do. Like, the first movie is definitely a mankind's hubris thing. Uh, Like any, you know, Godzilla or old school sci-fi movie. Second one, yeah, sort of kind of still so. As as wild as it gets, like, I feel like it still has that message. You know, I do love the, the the ridiculousness of Lost World is still kind of beautiful because it's like, well, we screwed up on a smaller scale. There's no way that anything could go wrong if we just do it on an even larger scale. And yeah, the end of the movie, the third act gets kind of dumb, but it it fits. And in this movie, I kind of don't feel like the mess. There is a message and that whatever message they're trying to like force just, it isn't landing for me. It's kind of like the plane. It's just not landing. As to the writing, I do not know what it is with this, like, is there just like a cadre of sad dads out in Hollywood going through divorces that want to write about shrill women that divorce the dad because he's weak and pathetic, but then during the course of the movie proves himself proves himself to be a manly man, and now she can't help but take him back? And also, I guess, bonus points of having her new lover eaten by a dinosaur. Isn't that the implication there? I don't remember if it's ever said, but I think it was strongly implied that that was uh, Tay Leone's uh, new boyfriend. Anyways, Sad Dad's writing this kind of hack, divorced trope. That part I didn't like in Jurassic Park 3. The rest of it, though, was pretty fun. It doesn't get bogged down with complicated exposition or unnecessary plot points, Although I guess one could argue that Billy's role is just that. In any case, you get what you paid for, and there are worse ways to spend 90 minutes. Believe me, I've seen Troll 2. Yeah, I don't know. 
if you haven't seen this movie, watch it. It's fun. It's fun. It's not great by any stretch, but you know, moves along in a nice clip. Uh, people get chased by dinosaurs. A lot of them don't make it, but the people you expect to make it out alive, make it out alive. End of movie. You like it? Okay. Uh, it's not going to be... You You do not need to watch this for Jurassic World or the other one that comes after that. It's a side quest. You can watch it, I, I guess, if, if you want added content to Grant. I don't think much... I mean, Ellie didn't do much in this movie, so I don't know... I don't really know how that will play into later films. Something else that I feel may as well be mentioned now, since this will be a really short episode, except for my entry. Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom never acknowledge any of the events in Lost World or Jurassic Park 3. So they may be actual canon, but it's kind of like midichlorians in Star Wars, where like if you just never talk about it, is it really being acknowledged as canon in-universe? This film is a good movie. It's a good disaster movie, which were well, they were all the rage in the 90s, let's face it, up until probably 10 years ago. <laughs> the disaster movies were everywhere. This is a really good example of that, just with dinosaurs. And uh, yeah, I pretty much think this is closely on par with one, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think anyone else is going to agree with me on that because they've all got nostalgia goggles. I've got nostalgia goggles but also I can see what's in front of my eyes it's the same shit happening again and again but it's good shit and I love it I think the only thing where one excels better is that kind of adventurous feel like I said the interactions with the brachiosauruses in one was a lot better with the three brachiosauruses just leaning over going looking a bit dumbass but yeah it's good I really like this movie what's next so right now I mean I'd probably put Jurassic Park first but having just rewatched two and three as much maligned as Jurassic Park 3 is, especially for that talking raptor part, I gotta say, I enjoyed 3 more than 2. That said, I think it was a big missed opportunity to not just go full ham with it and release it as Jurassic Park 3D, because I feel like that would have elevated the movie for me. But whatever, we're done with the Jurassic Park movies. Next up will be Jurassic World. Is this, oh, it's not the one with Chris Pratt, is it? They did, of course, re-release the 3D version of the original Jurassic Park years later to promote the next movie on the list, Jurassic World. Jurassic Park the Reunion? Remake? Uh, rebirth? Yeah, must be Rebirth. Jurassic Park Rebirth. Yeah, let's watch that. But we'll talk about that one next time. Is there a new Indiana Jones movie coming out soon? I want to watch them. Can we watch the Indiana Jones movie? Anyway, thanks for your time. We'll see you next time when we talk about Jurassic World. Until then, podcasters... Make sure when you're diving for a satellite phone in a pile of dino poop, you choose the right pile. Next time on Podcasters Assemble. Spoiler alert, the rides are going to break down and the dinosaurs are going to eat the tourists. To be continued. Podcasters Assemble is a production of the We Can Make This Work, Probably, podcast network. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble by looking us up on Twitter and Instagram at Casters Assemble or joining our Discord page. Link in the show notes. Submissions are always open. Intro written by Eric Slater. And Stephen White. Music by Deft Stroke Sound. Voiceover by 
random, faceless man in front of a microphone in a basement. Goes by the first name Dave, last name Steele. This episode was edited by Eric Slater. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to where you can find them all online. You can also help support this podcast by visiting patreon.com slash podcastersassemble. Thank you. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Do 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 do.